This is a test. For the next 10 seconds, your radio will become a microwave oven. Run to the refrigerator and grab yourself a hot dog. Hold it next to the speaker. Ready? This has been a test. If you're out there with a cold weenie in your hand, then you flunked. Give yourself an A in gullibility. Hello and welcome to the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour. No less than 25 minutes of sketches, improv, songs, and whatnot from Duck Logic, a Chicago comedy group that had its own two hour radio show called The Cavalcade on WLUP AM 1000, a pretty big radio station at the time. Every Duck Logic Half Hour is chock full of bits pulled from the Loop archives, plus new stuff thrown in for good measure. So take a load off, put your earbuds in, and have a listen. You'll be glad you did because. Here they come, polishing punchlines, writing gags, and jotting down jokes. There they go, wacky, something, something, for you fine folks. Something about funny, blah, 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 hope we don't choke. There you are, listening to her theme song, ta-ta, lowbrow, you'll laugh and howl. Duck logic starting right now. Uh, my guest today is a legend in Europe and a folk hero in his native country of France. Uh, most beloved actor. He's a major star of stage, screen, and the internet. And he is truly a unique blend of iconic figures from Jacques Tati to Charlie Chaplin, from uh, Joaquin Phoenix to Foster Brooks. And uh, as you may have guessed by now, I'm, I'm of course, talking about the one, the only, Sippy. Bonjour. Alors, I am most pleased to be here. Oh, the pleasure's mine. Sippy, believe me. Of course, Sippy, for people unfamiliar with your work, uh, you are an actor, an artist, and your chosen artistic medium is the beverage. Certainly. I sip the beverage for the unfortunates of the world who cannot sip for themselves. My sips are a symbol of what we endure every day as part of the human condition. I sip to expose our inner sorrow. Oh, true. How true. Uh, your work's been described by critics as a graceful ballet. And I think Frank Rich said it best, uh, quote, Sippy becomes the beverage, as in turn the beverage becomes sippy. Every performance is a fluid pas de deux that quenches the thirsty soul. Sippy, you've starred in classic films like Sippy's Vacation, To Sip With Love, Sippy Meets Hercules, and of course, Hey Vern, It's Sippy. And I see here your latest project is a musical called Sipping in the Rain, coming out this summer? Oh, oui, it is our reboot. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I, just, I can't wait to see it. Your work's so fascinating. I, so much depth, so much emotion. Uh, would you? I mean, would you mind showing us just a little of what you do? So don't more. Fantastic. We put together this beverage card here. Let's bring it right out. Uh, it's got a bunch of different drinks that should help the audience uh, experience the range of your genius. Uh, how about we start with this, a stein of beer? Oh, yes, Sippy. Oh, oh you capture that gritty, down-to-earth struggle of the blue-collar man. Oh, my God, it's... Oh, this is just its so real. <laughs> I can almost smell the motor oil and body odor. Great. That's just great. Here, here, try this. It's a glass of red wine. 
Mmm, the haughty sophistication of a rich bourgeois one percenter looking down his nose at the petty downtrodden proletariat. Oh, I am in awe on the floor of the stock exchange and attending one of those eyes wide shut sex parties I've heard so much about. Oh, fantastic. Oh, God, what next? Let's try, um, let's try a glass of milk. See it. I, I see the childlike innocence of prepubescence. A, a boy, a little boy, alone, afraid, ignored by his father, who's been too busy running the family dry cleaning business. I smell the pungent odor of tetrachloroethylene. Feel the searing pain of rejection, the spankings, the bedwetting. Oh, bravo, Sippy, bravo. Okay, okay, if you would, please, one last performance. May we? All right. Uh... I'm going to start with a little soy milk, and then I'll throw in a banana, some berries, some walnuts here, uh-huh, spinach, kale, a dash of Tabasco, some whey powder, raw egg, can't forget the raw egg, ginger, and, let's see, a shot of rum. Voila, as you would say. Here you go, Sippy. Work your magic. Sippy, let's see what you got here. Have a sip. <laughs> Whoa, Sippy. <laughs> okay. Uh, somebody call 911. I... Here, use this bucket. This is a true story about one man's run in with the law and how it changed him. Duck Logic now presents The Four Hours That Changed My Life. What a night, what a night! Coming off the rush of a Suzanne Summers concert, I felt like throwing caution to the wind. I kicked my motorcycle in the fifth and cruised down the interstate. I was riding my steel horse approximately six miles per hour over the designated speed limit, and it felt good. I was riding high atop the crest of a wave of bliss. Everything was going my way. Or was it? Soon my glorious evening was abruptly terminated by the harsh sound of sirens and the disorienting flash of red light in my rearview mirror. Officer Lunt, an Illinois State Trooper, approached me. Can I see your license? I uh, say, uh, I can't, I would, I, if I could, I just, just I, 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 hand me your license. It seemed like an eternity before he returned with the news that would shatter my world to its very foundation. I'm sorry, this license is suspended. Uh, we're going down to the station. He fitted me with matching bracelets and chaperoned me to his squad car. We were on our way to the police department lockup. Officer Lunt read me my rights and informed me that I would need a $100 bail to get out. He allowed one phone call, so I dialed the number of the only friend I knew that could possibly understand. Hello, my fellow Americans. I am not a crook, and you won't have Joey to kick around anymore because he's not home. But at the sound of the beep, please leave a message. And if none of it's accidentally erased, he'll eventually get back to you. I was foiled by my best friend's answering machine and his feeble attempt at humor. 
You'll just have to wait and hope he gets the message sometime tonight. Until then. <laughs> Officer Lunt led me to Sergeant Stenson, a swarthy fatherly man with a face that told of years of thankless toil in the service of law. He tried to size me up, but I resisted. What's your address, boy? 2710 East Belmont, Chicago. And your zip code? Oh, I can't remember. What's that, boy? I don't remember. Can't remember the zip code, boy? These, these handcuffs are too tight. They're cutting off the circulation of my brain. Oh, smart aleck, eh, boy? We're gonna have to get your mind right. Oh! Kill oh, it! I don't know! Kill it! In oh, Chicago, I, must uh, be 606. No, the Come cuffs on, boy. are too 606, tight. What? I can't remember. It's the cuffs. You just listen up, boy. I know you're all kind. You're used to playing by your own rules. But you're in the big house now. We got our own set of rules in here. Oh, you remember that zip code. Where, where are you taking me? Here's your cell, boy. You'll have a lot of time in here to refresh your memory. And you won't be needing these handcuffs anymore. We will return to Four Hours That Changed My Life after a bunch of other stuff. Who's wearing pajamas? Only anybody and everybody who's hip and happy to be in the now. People like the mailman, the traffic policeman, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Hugh Hefner, and your favorite local disc jockey. They all love to wear PJs. Wool, silk, or skin-irritating rayon polyester. Everyone's wearing pajamas. It's time once again for Tales from the Tollbooth. Another page ripped from the log of Tollbooth Attendant 468. This episode, Rate of Exchange. This one is for all you hockey fans. I had just come on my shift and the first car that pulls up to my booth tries to pay me with Canadian money. I tell the driver we only accept dough from the US of A. It turns out the guy is from Canada. I call the cops. That's a true story. Somebody posted this, um, a picture of Jackie Gleason and Frank Fontaine. When Frank Fontaine would play Crazy Guggenheim. Crazy Guggenheim. Yeah, Crazy Guggenheim. <laughs> yes. It, it was so bizarre to watch. I mean, I, re I vaguely remember it. It was just such a 60s comedy i mean because crazy guggenheim was maybe mentally defective guggenheim i mean he wasn't crazy <laughs> that's why i wanted to do silly gillikins <laughs> it's offensive i mean jackie gleason was a, a entertainer and he had radio shows i guess and uh and this was, was a tv show he I, yeah was he singer but it, then he did the honeymooners yeah but he, he was a great song. i mean that was that that was the gag he would he 
he'd be all crazy, as they say, and then all of a sudden he'd break into a song and he'd be this yeah, incredible he'd be tenor. Like Jim Neighbors. But this Frank Fontaine, I read up on him. His family was in the entertainment business way back in like 20s and 30s. He, he dropped out of high school and, and just started performing places like Boston supper clubs and stuff like that. And so he was a singer and a little bit of a dancer. And he married his high school sweetheart at like 16. He was just about 17. And he stayed married to her his entire life. And they had 11 children. Yeah, he wasn't that crazy with 11 kids. Gulp. <laughs> but at some point, he appeared on Jackie Gleason's show in this segment where he was, where Jackie was Joe the bartender. Yeah. And he was just like wiping a bar. And I don't know if he had different guests, but I, I watched a YouTube of him. And, and yeah, he, he's like, I'm in He's like, his eyes are all crazy. And <laughs> hi, I'm crazy cooking It was so politically yeah. incorrect. He had a mental problem because <laughs> Frank Fontaine wasn't like that. Frank Fontaine was kind of an entertainer kind of guy. No, that was a character. He was wacky character, but they, he, I think they, he was trying to be so wacky so that when he sang, it would be a huge... At the end of the bit, at the end of it, he tells some dumb joke about buying a parrot and his mom cooks it up like a chicken for dinner or something. My mom, I said, where's the parrot? You know, like that. I like your birthday present. He said, what present? I said, the parrot. Jackie Gleason says, hey, put a dime in the jukebox or whatever and play the Z27 or whatever. And so, yeah, he, says, he was talking like this. And all of a sudden, we would never grow and sunshine I'd bring every day. <laughs> it was it was such bizarre entertainment. We call it entertainment. Wait, it was like did it sound like a cranked up record player? Because <laughs> he was like, <laughs> yeah, the I, like I said, like like um, Jim Neighbors. Well, and he would only be like a foot yeah. and a half away from Jackie yeah. Gleason when he'd be singing this song. Usually, Jackie's sitting on the other, just sitting on the other side of the bar. It sounds like something. Well, Jackie Gleason, did he do vaudeville too? Yes. Uh, yeah. Very, uh, yeah. So I wonder if that's I where the, so. I mean, they're old friends from that. I don't burlesque and vaudeville. Because he seemed like a burlesque act. Yeah, well. It seems like there was pathos, though, because he'd be like, hey, crazy, thanks for stopping by. It's crazy. You'd be like, which, how was it not offensive to people at that time? And he's like, I think they were trying to pawn off the fact that he was drunk or something, but he was not drunk. He's not Foster Brooks. Like, what? There was another politically incorrect, you know. Oh, wait a second. I draw the line. He was just nuts. Yeah. (laughs) Around. I always thought we should modernize Foster Brooks and have like a wacky character who's like hooked on meth. Well, isn't that what Cheech and Chong were? Yeah, I guess Cheech and Chong were supposed to be stoned all the time, but I but it wasn't the same. It wasn't like he was going like this all the time, like Foster Brooks was. They'd be going, "Hey, man, hey, hey man. man, hey, man, what are you, what are you, what are you saying, man? Dave's not here, man." It's funny because back then that would they can make a whole career about some illegal drug everyone's doing anyway. But nowadays it's like it's legal, dude. Yeah, why? Yep, big deal. That's why you got to go with meth, okay? <laughs> and then I'm not sure where Guggenheim came from because that's a museum. The museum was around before, before he picked up that name, yeah. and I don't know. Maybe he went to the museum and he <laughs> thought all the art was crazy. It's crazy in here. I'll call myself Crazy Guggenheim. What kind of art do you have on this wall? <laughs> How is it okay for us to impersonate this? Hey, you know. It it reminds me of uh, if you if you could have burst out a song after you uh, uh, did the little sketch 
Oh, for Chucky Winkleman? For Chucky Winkleman. Yeah, bring him back. If Chucky Winkleman would have suddenly broke into Amazing Tenor <laughs> song, that would have Huge. been... Huge. That would have been that. I mean, Chucky, Chucky would grow up to be Crazy Guggenheim, basically. Well, that was, that was, you know, you're right. That's what that was done with love. I heard it about <laughs> Szechuan cooking. Yeah. I mean, that was funny. The the funny thing is, we <laughs> had a review of that. Of I am the fridge. Don't mess with me. <laughs> it, All right. No. I'm sorry. I'm I'm quoting our old show now. Go to YouTube and and watch show for, six, maybe seven. Cableville, USA. That may lose my new fans. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> it was cute. When she kissed you on the cheek, it was cute. The reviewer in the Tribune, I want to say, did a piece about Chicago cable production, blah, blah, blah. And, and we were singled out as like being very polished and not like your usual two ferns. And uh, I believe the quote was a, the cream of a bumper crop of comedy. Yeah. And that guy thought that Chucky was, um, what's Martin Short's? Oh. Gr- Grimly? Yeah. Oh, just a young, very young. Yeah, he didn't catch on that he was supposed to be. Anything else. <laughs> Wasn't the cable show in a contest at the Chicago Theater? Didn't they enter it, the LaGrange? Yes. Where did, yeah. where did it come in? We lost. We didn't get anything. Well, I don't think who won didn't get anything either. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, there were, whatever our category, we were nominated, and then they said, and the winner is somebody else. Yay! There wasn't like first, second, and... Yeah, I think there's only one thing they... Uh, I thought there were three or four other place things against, you know, up against us. It was like, a, it was an exercise show? Yeah, it was Wendy that, that, that submitted us. I, uh, I'm not a big... Yeah. I don't like to lose. <laughs> well, why put yourself through that? Why put yourself <laughs> through knowing full well that you're probably not going to win? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but if you don't, you never do win, you know? You have to throw it out yeah. there. And if you don't take chances, and even if you fail, that's what that's what champions do, you know what I mean? That's what Chucky says. Chucky says that. It's a good show. It's just the award thing is like, yeah, okay, whatever, I don't know. I just, she did it, I didn't, but. Yeah, I don't care about the awards either, except that more people might watch. But I went, that was, you know what it was? It was the fact that when I thought, okay, you know, whatever, I'm not going to. So I went there by myself. No, I don't remember anybody, you guys coming with me. I don't me. remember that, no. I might have had like a little jacket on, like a suit jacket or something even, because I thought, oh, you know what? We could win. We could. No, seriously. In my head, I'm going, yeah, no. But even Wendy wasn't there from the cable company. We could. You know what I mean? I'm going, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then when we didn't, I went, okay, you know what? I got all excited. And then what? And I just left. <laughs> But we were nominated. I, I don't know if that meant anything, like they say about the it's Oscars. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> I guess. We now return to part two of Tom Giannis's harrowing prison encounter, Four Hours That Changed My Life. There's no sound emptier than the indiscriminate echo of jail doors clanging shut. I grabbed my only possession, a metal drinking cup, and as I dragged it across the cell bars, I recalled an old white spiritual. One talk over the line, sweet Jesus, one talk over the line. Sitting alone in a railroad station, one talk over the line. One talk over the line, sweet Jesus. Hey, keep it down in One there. Talk. Keep it down. Somehow the song helped the time speed up to a slow crawl. All inmates were then put on a rigorous schedule. Mine consisted of a meal, five minutes of rehab, a snack, 
five more minutes of hard labor that consisted of filling out forms and making my bed. Another snack, five minutes of rest, and then it would all start all over again. I soon realized that this kind of life had one element my life outside lacked, order, but I still fought every step of the way. I kept track of every passing minute by carving hash marks on the wall of the cell. I was nobody's boy, and I intended to let everyone know right from the word go. I soon met the counselor at the jail. Why were you speeding? I don't know. Why were you speeding? Uh, my pencil sharpener broke. Why were you speeding? Oh, because I left my appliances plugged in at home. This went on for a good three minutes. Why were you speeding? Because I was late for work. I wouldn't give an inch. My prison experience would always have a profound effect on me. As I grew accustomed to prison life, I got to know my surroundings better. I found the mattress in my cell could work nicely as a bed, and I fashioned the toilet into an ideal receptacle for fecal matter. A minute soon passed in a minute. Time seemed to lose all meaning, for I had nowhere to go. Madness crept in. I toyed with the idea of escape. In my second hour of incarceration, I tried to carve a bogus handgun out of prison soap, but I was foiled by modern technology as I found myself feebly attempting to mold soft soap into a realistic weapon. I was a bundle of contempt and a ball of fury, jaded beyond my years. Prison life seemed to be dehabilitating me. Everything came to a head in the later counseling session. Why were you speeding? Oh, the throttle stuck. Why were you speeding? Because I had overdue library books. Ah, uh, now we're getting somewhere. And he was right, because I soon broke. Why were you speeding? Because my penis is too small. <laughs> we will return to the conclusion of Four Hours That Changed My Life after this commercial parody. Are you the kind of guy who can't go a minute without spitting tobacco into an inappropriate container like an ATM machine or a Salvation Army kettle? Do you hear people telling you to stop that gross habit, you redneck slob? Is there any place where you can go and find tobacco spitting peace? Well, now there is, partners. I'm Southern Joe, your regional stereotype and owner of the only restaurant that serves nothing but chew. Southern Joe's House of Chew. Imagine being able to stick a pinch between your lip and gum and spit into the finest spittoons aluminum can build. We've got more flavors than the International House of Pancakes, and we're open 24 hours just in case you get a late-night craving that doesn't please the missus. Southern Joe's House of Chew makes its own chew every day with the help of illegal labor, so you know it's good. And we never scrimp on the recipe handed down to us by my dear mother, Southern Jane, maker of Southern Jane's Lady Chew for you women folk who don't mind spitting and chewing with the boys. Southern Joe's House of Chew, located in the heart of America off Route 66 next to the sign of the big head with the chew dripping down his chin. Southern Joe's House of Chew, come in for the chew, stay for the spitting. And now, as a public service, the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. 
Today's word is seersucker. This has been the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour Word of the Day. Ever wonder why the leading mint gum has to double their mint in order for you to really enjoy it? I have pondered that from time to time. They say it makes it taste better, but what's up with their mint that it needs to taste better? Now that you mention it, I am a bit curious. Sounds like something's a little fishy rather than minty. What kind of double talk are they selling? You deserve a gum that doesn't speak out both sides of your mouth. That only makes sense. You deserve a gum with a mint that can stand on its own. Why, yes. Yes, I do. You deserve a stick of new single mint gum. Send your taste buds on a wild one-way ride down Mint Mountain. It's more like Hendrix is playing a mint solo on my mouth. Well, either way, that's some kind of mint. New single mint gum. We start with a mint we genetically engineered ourselves, and damn, it's minty. One mint to rule them all. Mm. Then we sweeten it with Minisitol 3, the new sweetener made from naturally occurring compounds that haven't been proven to cause cancer yet, like those in Minisitol 2. Then there's no reason not to put it in my mouth. New single mint gum, a mouthful of minty taste every single time. Something new for you to chew on from the good folks at NBCC, nature's best chemical corporation. We now return to the exciting conclusion of Tom Giannis's scary run-in with the law. Four hours that changed my life. After my breakthrough in the third hour, a hint of optimism suddenly entered my life. Even during the long minutes of hard labor filling out more forms, I could find some glimmer of hope, some reason to keep going. Hey Styles, your friend Joey just called. He'll be here with the bail in about 45 minutes. Oh my God! Thank you, Sergeant. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. It's okay to cry, son. Let it all out. Soon you'll be a free man. Now rehabilitation took most of my time. Though it was difficult, their goal was to make my transition to civilian life as smooth as possible. I submitted to a series of tests that would gauge my social skills and ability to make rational, civilized choices. If you saw someone drowning in the pool, would you A, throw rocks at their head, B, run to the nearest beef stand and order a combo and fries, or C, swim them to safety and perform necessary oh, resuscitation gee. techniques? I, I don't know. I've been away from life. I, uh, am I hungry? Uh, do no. I like beef? Uh, then I guess I'd have to go for, for C, the swim the safety one. Ah, good. Now picture this. You see a hotel fire right next door uh-huh. to the place where there are a thousand nude ladies right. staying. And they are, they are there screaming for their lives. Finally, the moment came. After bidding adieu to my fellow convicts, I picked up my belongings and marched proudly towards the door to freedom. My friend Joe E. was waiting. Hey, miss. You, you look no different than you did uh, when you first went in. Oh, I knew he was just saying that to be nice. I had changed all right, inside. So, where do you want to go? Take me to a hooker. I'm horny. The time away from woman had really taken its toll, but that's not all I needed. Got any smokes? Hey, you don't smoke. I do now. It's a bad habit I picked up in the stir. Hey, Joey, clue me in. Are these clothes still hip? Sure. And what's the old neighborhood like? Will I recognize anyone? Yeah, you sure will. And, and who's president now? Uh, Reagan. Oh, something's never changed. When I finally got home, I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Home cooking never tasted so good. When I woke up the next morning, I was determined 
to turn over a new leaf. I wasn't going to blow my second chance. It was time to live on the right side of the law. I applied for a job at a local gas station. Let me see that application if you're done with it. Yes, sir. Say, uh, you ever done time? Well, yeah, once, but it yeah, was real get short. Out of it here. was. We don't take hey, your kind. But wait, I paid my debt to society. I'm a changed man. I give your crying towel to someone else, huh? Con. <laughs> my prison experience would always have a profound effect on me. Those four hours were the longest of my life. Oh, I'd sure think twice before I ever traveled six miles per hour over the allotted speed limit again. I guess some men just have to learn their lesson the hard way. Well, there you go. Another Duck Logic comedy half hour out on the internet. This one was number 81, featuring Ken Campbell, David Dunlosky, Tom Giannis, Walter Mitchka, James F. Russell, and Tim Thomas. Subscribe to the Comedy Half Hour and tell your friends about the show. Check out our Facebook page, too, and our website, ducklogiccomedy.com. Lots of fun stuff over there. Portions of this podcast were previously broadcast on the radio under the copyright of Duck Logic Limited and the licenses of WLUP AM and FM in Chicago. Bye bye